I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your hosts, Keith Barney and... Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, they're streaming on Hulu. There's a thunderstorm going on in my town, and I'm sad to be missing it, but I'm happy to be here with you. to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast in which me and my old buddy Mike, we discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. We are all the way up to The Practice Season 8, Episode 12. Can you believe it? We are talking about Avenging Angels. Uh, that certainly sounds exciting, Mike. How you doing? Uh, it's let me down weeks in a row now. Uh, although last week was all right. So no, last I'm week not, was good. I'm not getting too psyched about Avenging Angels. I... Am uh, <clears throat> feeling better today. I'm gonna be clearing my throat the whole time again, so don't think you're getting off the hook, dear listener. But <laughs> I feel great. Still testing positive. I do have a doctor's note to return to work tomorrow, even though I mm-hmm. returned to work today, Keith. I'm living your life from some years ago. Uh, one oh. of my well, I'm doing so. You know, I have my like job, job, and then I have this job, and then I also. Um, p- potentially help assist in running virtual conferences for a friend of mine who works for a leading uh, medical and clinical conference uh, company. Uh, uh-huh. And so anyway, today I'm helping with a gigantic medical conference, and uh, but virtually. But so, but you know all about that because that's something I sure you used do. to do. Yes, I do. I mean that that was. Uh... The job that I had for uh, six years at the NYU School of Medicine, setting that up. So it was. Uh, so I've I've run a PowerPoint or two yep. in my uh, in my day. Is is that what you're doing? You're running PowerPoints. Uh, well, I'm. I running, guess it's, it's more complicated it's not, now than it was then. Yeah, it's a little bit more complicated. We're running through a platform called OEP, and then another one called Slido, which is so it's like three different platforms running concurrently. Then we're beaming Zoom through NDI, which we talked about recently. It's how we do our mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, to the conference website because it's also a in in person conference that has access to the virtual. It's very cool, but they made it so complicated that they need virtual text to basically help handle all the stuff. Well, and, if uh, I remember correctly, uh, it also pays well when you're helping out a medical conference. Yeah, it doesn't. I'm 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 uh, Jen's just being an actress right now, which is great. I'm glad to be help that she's able to be doing that. I, however, uh, am trying to. Uh, fund our life so I just keep the jobs coming uh, and if you would like to become a Patreon and help <laughs> you could do so that's uh, uh, patreon.com slash K and M 
Yes, and I, I I can guarantee that uh, that creates a larger percentage of my income than it does yours. Uh, but let me <laughs> let me thank their friends on Patreon. I'm st- I still have a cough. I I actually had a P- I tested PCR, did the whole thing, and don't have COVID. Yeah, uh, former CEO a, Jen is the same. She's she's got a straight up cold, and she's every day we're just we marvel that she's testing negative. Uh, because I, I had the, I didn't have like light COVID. I had the full, uh, the full wash. So you did the whole deal. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm surprised at how sick I got and not have it be COVID. But there it is. Anyway, our Patreons include Cloud Lover sixty nine, Cloud Lover sixty nine, Jorge Navoa, Alan Zimmerman, and Brian Kaufman. We are very thankful for them. Uh, they can go and check out. We recorded a whole mess of bonus content yesterday. Yeah. Uh, including a uh, an AMA between the two of us because uh, you know we don't have any questions yet, so we just ask each other questions, which I mm-hmm. thought was interesting. We, it was we fun. went some interesting places. We recorded a bonus episode watching uh, the Next Generation episode uh, that set up the Cardassians, so that was super fun. So uh, lots of fun stuff to check out there at patreon.com slash K and M. Spell out that and. So... Uh, <coughs> We have a okay. We're we're both still dying. Yeah, I haven't checked the email. We're gonna get to it next week. Uh, but you you want to know what we are gonna get to this week? Uh, because I'm excited to talk about it. I dove into the archives and I've got some fun stuff to show you, Mike. Oh, cool. In uh in a little segment we call and uh so we we went through the week ending. On uh, January 18th, the year 2004. And Mike, would you know, we're on tour, buddy. Woohoo! Man, the big time, baby. We have hit the big time. Do you want to know where we were this week? So, hold on. I know that it's self-evident. However, it's still kind of ridiculous that... I feel like we've known each other for so long and had so many experiences in life that weren't the tour, but it all Mm -hmm. began... And it's all come together. So we are now officially on tour together. Uh, That's right. One of the few, the proud, the couple of straight guys on that tour. <clears throat> and uh, there are a lot of straight guys on that tour, proportionally, because oh? it's a legit well, show. Pro- proportionally, but proportionally, I feel we were still in the hard minority. I can think of at least three and a half, four, four and a half at least. Yeah, there was like thirty people on the cast. Um, it's still pretty good. Anyway. anyway, not 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 that it's important. It's just a, a fun, always a fun tidbit of ratio. Uh, when you're a straight white guy, it's fun to know that if there are certain lifestyles in which you're still the minority. That there are a few tiny places where you yeah. are the minority. Yes. Anyway, uh, uh, last week you jogged a bunch of memories for me, uh, so I'm hoping you do the same again this week. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, let me tell you, here's where we performed this week. On the 12th, we were in Valdosta, Georgia. Uh, then on the, uh, oh, and this was our program Whoa. here at Valdosta, Georgia. So uh, we can see we got a full eight and a half by 11. Uh, our names, our, 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 our names are not in this program. Probably for so, the best. So uh, this is what you can do on a non-union tour. Uh, sometimes they don't even put your names in the in the damn program, and uh, at least once they just make up credits for you to sound fancier, which are all utter lies. Uh, remember that? 
Yeah, and every once in a while in the in the lobby, it would it would say the Broadway Touring Company, and you'd be like, would, "Yep, nope, nope, <laughs> no, no, it was not. It was most definitely not." On the thirteenth, we traveled to Vidalia, Georgia. Uh, so back to back one nighters in uh, in these towns. Then we went on the fifteenth and sixteenth to the Grand Opera House in Macon, Georgia, and this was our program. Ooh, I remember uh, that was a nice place. This was, oh, it was a beautiful theater. Um, and happily, it did, uh, it had our names. Had our names in there. I don't think it was lies, but it definitely had, uh, I, I think we need to read Mike and Deglio's oh, bio, absolutely, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. <coughs> lies, Michael I'm sure. Michael and Deglio, bellboy slash third class passenger. Joins the cast of Titanic fresh off a six-month tour as Frankie in the hit musical Forever Platt. The hit musical. (laughs) The hit musical. He is a graduate of the prestigious American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York City. I didn't say prestigious, did I? You 100% said prestigious. Goddamn. Now, as theater press, right, I get a lot of uh, descriptions of events and musicals or whatever and half of my life is taking out the modifiers yeah taking up because they sent a press release out right which you're sort of supposed to copy paste the description into what you're writing and they're hoping i don't notice that they put in like prestigious groundbreaking world acclaimed and I'm constantly removing these little modifiers mike i would have modified the fuck out of your program Anyway, uh, oh my god! As an ensemble member, I don't. I wouldn't even get a bio. Be like Mike Indeglio is here, is is attending. <laughs> uh, he is a graduate of the prestigious American Musical and Dramatic Academy in New York City. He thanks his elegant family and dedicates this performance to the memory elegant? of his. I, no, I added that. Oh, okay. <clears throat> he thanks to his family and dedicates this performance to the memory of his father Joseph. Speaking of Keith, before I, you go I know, a step further, the day. yeah. Today is our day. Today is the 21st anniversary of Mr. Joe Indeglio leaving this realm onto the next journey. We salute him. Indeed. Yeah, no, we uh, we definitely send a thought to your father here today on the uh, the 16th. Uh so, um yeah, Wait, so we Keith, uh, but hold on. Well, yeah. My father would 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 want near demand to also hear the prestigious biography Uh, of one Keith S. Varney. Well, uh, you wouldn't have remembered, but I already read it, but I'll read it again. Well, I read what I sent them. Let's see what actually got into the um, Keith Varney. Third class officer Herbert J. Pittman slash Hartley slash third class passenger is a native Vermonter and proud of it. He has been performing since his sixth grade portrayal in as Wilbur the Pig in Charlotte's Web, a performance he is immensely proud of. Favorite roles include Archie in Secret Garden, number four in Transformations, and Captain Walker in Tommy. He has a degree in voice from the, I don't need to say it because everyone knows it, prestigious, prestigious Eastman School of Music. Did you put prestigious also? <laughs> I did not. Oh, God darn it. I did not. I did not. I love that we had so little credits that we were like, we need to put as many slashes and put all of our little covers and seconds and... Oh, well, I had nothing. 
<laughs> like this is community theater and high school. I have one college production, one high school production, a community theater production, and my sixth grade production. I put in as a joke, but mainly because I just needed to fill space. Keith, can I, since we're talking about this this week, can I tell you? And I'm being 100% honest. My favorite part of the whole show. Oh, okay. My favorite part of the whole show because you are the starring attraction in this memory. Actually, I have a yeah, lot. I know of where this parts, is going. This is, so. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I, I was a little disappointed in how little I really got to do in the whole show. But the first, the opening number, <clears throat> I got to play like four different characters. You're trying, you're different class passengers, mm-hmm. and you're this, you're that, you're blah blah. I'm so glad I only played one character yeah. in that. So opening, I got to run around a, a whole bunch and change costumes and just like be really excited. And one of my favorite parts is right, right before. Uh, we see the ship for the first time. All the dudes are on stage, and we all see there the ship, and we're like, "There she is!" But right before that, or <clears throat> or maybe it's after that. Maybe it's right before the first big soaring chorus. I can't remember exactly. But Keith is playing the character who's basically announcing all of the apples and bananas and things that are coming onto the ship, right? And all the people, and yeah, yeah. it was a lot of announcing, a lot of stuff. And you're standing down left, and at one point, right before the big first soaring thing, Keith goes. One Renault Town Motor Carriage Titanic! And he's freaking excited <laughs> as hell. And it basically launched us off like a rocket. And then we're like, we sang the big first thing. Well, you have to. You've got a crescendo into the chorus. I mean, it's it's essentially the 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 linguistic version of that of of, of whooshing the symbols into yep. the chorus. Which but I, uh, I, I remember that very specifically. Well, well, you, you know, we're gonna have to find uh find a copy and and play some clips from that. I do have a copy. If I can figure out how to rip it digitally, I'll do I so. I think I have see. it somewhere, but if but yeah, no, def, definitely we'll need we'll need to find that. So, uh yeah, so then after that, if you thought like we were in three different cities that week, how could we possibly have more? Uh we were in Greenwood, South Carolina. Uh and it, during one of those trips, if you remember specifically, <clears throat> our bus driver who God bless him, I don't know how we got that job, but he uh I, we were kindly asleep, and he drove straight off the road. You remember that night? He drove well, that, directly off the road. That was North Carolina. That was later in the tour. It, that was during a snowstorm. Yeah, we almost died hard. We almost died hard. Yeah, he fell. He 100% fell asleep at the wheel in four inches of snow in broad daylight. And we it just like really... woke up careening off. Oh, that was that bad. was that was really something. So speaking uh, of careening off the rails, yes. So uh, I wrote. So I have more information. Oh yeah, let's go. Mike. Uh, first off, uh, in my emails, contemporaneous emails, I did complain we had a lot of tech problems. We had sound problems early in the first uh, in the first week. We or better two, take a microwave, is, um, a microphone away from someone. Yes, I I think really what it was is that we had twenty six cast members, and. Uh, we only had spots for 25 microphones, and that 26 microphone was really screwing things yeah, up. So somebody did. lost his mic. <laughs> but at least they gave him a giant megaphone. <laughs> megaphone. Not an electric one, just a, just a cone, a large cone to shout into. Physics, man. Physics. Uh, so that was happening. I also, uh, we saw, and I bet. See, we didn't see as much of our each other on that tour because somebody was chasing a certain lady the entire time. Uh, that literally everybody else was too, but Mike is the one who accomplished. Uh, so yeah, that turned out, and it turned out really well for me. 
yeah, it turned out great for you. But uh, there were a lot of other gentlemen there. Like, God damn it. Him? Fuck. Um, he's just he played the bellhop. He doesn't even have a microphone. <laughs> he doesn't have a microphone. Yes. <clears throat> but I bet you were there because we went to go see Lord of the Rings yeah. in Macon, Georgia. Mm-hmm. So I bet we were together seeing Return of the King. Um, also, when we were there, this was when my laptop was stolen from our hotel room. Shit, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, you were pissed. I was so pissed. And yeah, it was because it, it wasn't even mine. It was I think it was Sean's hand me down little uh And the iMac. the housekeeping department was like adamant that that we were you were lying or some shit. Yeah, and, and like why would I lie over a $300 laptop? Uh it was it was like old and broken at that point. Anyway, so that was the drama. I could no longer watch all of the movies that I had ripped from the internet in the early days and put onto CDRs. Okay. So I had a flip book full of CDRs of ripped movies, all of which like so compressed. They were like 300 megabytes for the entire full-length movie uh, that I was hoping to watch on the bus, which did not have power outlets. And the laptop lasted about 90 minutes. So I could get through some of a movie on some of our trip. Uh, it's a different time. I, I was, at the mo- at that time, <clears throat> watching oh. DVDs in one of the first MacBook Pros. Uh, the, white, oh. the white model. It was a white mm-hmm. model. But it wasn't mine. It belonged to one, I believe I'll say his name, Michael K. He was on tour with us. Uh, who's gone on to be kind of a big, powerful L.A. agent. Um, oh, and but he was very quiet, didn't say much. Uh, but we watched the entirety of the series Nip Tuck, uh, oh. which I believe was Ryan, one of Ryan Murphy's Ryan first Murphy's early stuff, four yeah. Days, and uh, absolutely loved it. Loved hanging out with him. Uh, that was a fun. That was a fun memory too. Yeah, Nip Tuck was a. Uh, that was that was a very salacious show. I don't. I, it, it couldn't have been done by that point. I bet you watched the beginning of it. Well, whatever whatever had been released on DVD already, because he had the official DVDs. Oh, wow. Official DVDs. Wow, what a fancy fellow. All right. Well, uh, yeah, that is what I remember from that week on tour. We will have much more yeah. coming up next week. Uh, luckily for all of you listening, uh, the tour didn't last very long. It was very no. short. <laughs> they told us we were going to China, but as much as many tours to China usually pan out, they was don't. Was it China or Japan? You're right, Japan, Okinawa. Yeah, it was. It was Japan. Well, they didn't just tell us. We signed contracts. Signed we were and delivered. Yep, I remember. I rushed my passport. Yep, me too. And we, it cost like eight hundred dollars. It cost. It didn't cost me that much, but I had to rush it enough. And uh, we had a first rehearsal date. We were like, they canceled it like a week before rehearsal started, yeah? Uh, yeah, and I remember I had negotiated, Keith, uh, many more covers. Because I was like, I'm not doing it unless I get at least pretend understudy said roles. <laughs> <clears throat> just to take on extra work for no reason? Yeah, well, just because I wanted the credits. Oh, I see. Did, did you cover me, Mike? No, I covered Ricky, Devin, uh-huh. and uh, Dan. No, uh-huh. well, I didn't, th- I didn't get to cover anybody. I don't think you got to negotiate, baby. <laughs> I don't know why I would negotiate anyway. <laughs> I wanted That's something like, to do. <laughs> it's like Mike's like I. So you know, I was I was the head waiter, but I negotiated to do the dishes too. I worked really hard to make sure that I got to do the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> 
All right, let us move forward. It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, folks, we continued to listen to Hey Ya, Outcast version. Who's uh, Who are we listening to here? Uh, Keith, we are listening to the dulcet, folky tunes of Daniela Andrade. Uh, you can check her out on YouTube at, you know, and Daniela Andrade. So okay, good, good for her. The top movie uh, was, and I really only remember poop as it relates to this. The movie is Along Came Polly, which took in twenty-seven million dollars, and I was basically just about shitting, wasn't it? Uh, for the most part, yeah. It was uh, Jennifer Aniston, Ben Stiller, crapping in Ben and Jennifer Aniston's bathroom with a ferret. Right. Wow. What's what stood for a movie in 2004? The uh, cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about the U.S. death toll in Iraq hitting 500. Uh, little did we know how early into that process yeah. we were. All right. Well, let us. Now go to everybody's favorite segment that's not that lady singing. Hey, yeah. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. The Philadelphia Football Eagles had their season come to an end in a 14-3 loss to the Carolina Panthers in the NFC Championship game. McNabb was pulled for Coy Detmer after throwing three interceptions. Jake DeLome sent his team to the Super Bowl after throwing for only 101 yards on 14 passes. In the AFC... It was the first Brady Manning Bowl with Tom beating Peyton 24 to 14 in New England. Uh, Mike, Keith, are you, are you happy that now that, you know, once Tom finally does retire, that we at least know he'll be joining us on Fox Sports? I Can't, get rid, button. Can't get rid of him. Can't get rid of him. He is going to haunt my freaking dreams. Ah, that's, that's not good. Because Tom Brady is not only Tom Brady, but he's like. He's he's going to be shitty and boring at the same time. I don't know, man. I don't think he could be any worse than Joe Buck, but we'll find out. <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, Joe Buck is whatever. But uh, I, I, although to be fair, to be fair, I was like Tony Romo, hell no, yeah, fuck you, Cowboys. And Tony Romo is phenomenal. So there's just no getting around it. So they can't all be Phil Sims. All right, uh, you know what it is. Uh, it's time for. No. I'm I don't. a human uh. being. <coughs> oh God, I still sound terrible. And I'm not gonna take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Okay, we are talking about the practice season eight, episode twelve, Avenging Angels. And it was written, of course, by David E. Kelly with his buddy Peter Blake. And this is Peter Blake's last episode of The Practice. They're dropping the and flies. I know. It was uh, directed by Joseph Berger Davis, who last directed Capital Crimes, which uh, leaves us with our favorite segment, which I just uh, I just uh, remembered. So here we go. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> Mike, I'm going to need an adjective. Prestigious. Ha. <laughs> Uh-huh. And an occupation. Bellhop. 
Uh-huh. Uh, okay, and I need a crime. Mm, yes. Um, okay, I just watched this documentary last night, so how about this? Um, using your own sperm sample to inseminate a patient without consent. <clears throat> okay. Shout out to the Netflix documentary, Our Father. Or TV. Okay. And uh, we need a uh, a a relationship. Like you are my friend. That would be a relationship. Librarian. Okay. And uh, a way that you do things. Um, <laughs> uh, procrastinatingly. Okay. And, uh, an another occupation. Uh, soup kitchen supervisor. Okay. Supervisor. I get it. Uh, and then a, uh, an, an action ending in ing. Filating. Okay, that sounds great. Okay, folks, that's a thing that we're that we do on the air for reasons, but it at least it's different. <laughs> it's now time to watch this episode. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, can you tell we're just straight up over it? <clears throat> well, no, no, no. It lies. We are You're not over it. Not you know over. what it is? It's because Into we recorded it. for literally four and a half hours yesterday. That's true. And now we're just tuckered. Yeah, that's true, tuckered. No, I last week showed promise, and I think that we can regain the, the stability this week. Here we we're go. going to do that with season eight, episode 12, Avenging Angels, while mm. Keith and Mike still sound like died. Died? Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, Earth Angel, Earth Angel, one I go, oh, 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 my darling dear, this looks like a bad set. <clears throat> but they put out for snow and steam, always steam. And a lot of heavy blowing wind sounds. Are we to believe an... that those are people singing or that the, that's coming from his radio? It is very bad sound design because it is very hard to tell where that sound is coming from. But inside the car, it's muffled, and outside the car, it's, I think it's supposed it's to be on a street corner, though that would louder. never be happening. <clears throat> so there's an old guy outside an Irish bar, and he is opening his car door. It's snowing. Although it's awesome that... Oh, it's in the sound is so coming from the jukebox. Inside the jukebox, inside the bar. <coughs> I love that somebody was like, was five minutes ago. Somebody's uh, job was um, really play, buddy. Please design uh, a doo-wop song that sounds like doo-wop, but isn't an actual doo-wop song. Thank you. Well, I I think I think it is like find a B-side from a failed record company that has lost track of what's in copyright. But uh, while we're stopped, let's introduce some people here. Who's there? 
Old guy called by the siren song of doo-wop. I smell tuna fish. So either Jen's making lunch or I got a weird strain of COVID. <laughs> you may lose your taste and smell or only smell tuna fish. Only smell tuna fish. All right. Well, this guy who just walked into the bar is played by Ralph White, who you know from the body guy, bodyguard, cliffhanger, NCIS, Carnivale, Roots, uh, and, and Roots. He has a two-time Two Emmy nominations, one for Roots and one for The Waltons. My father would immediately pick up on that because uh, we had him who played the father and uh, we had John Boy on who murdered somebody. we have to award, finally, the Mm. oopsie for most eclectic IMDb to this guy. The Bodyguard, Cliffhanger, NCIS, Carnivale, Roots, and The Waltons. Yeah, Ralph White. And uh, while we're here, the bartender is played by Colby French, who uh, was in Deep Space Nine. He was Ensign Weldon in When It Rains. He was also in Gross Point Blank Star Trek. Play button. There's room. Yeah, in the back on your left. Thanks. I think this guy's gonna die. Or kill somebody. (laughs) Charlie Hayden? Yeah. Who the hell are you? He brought a bottle of liquor. Barely know her. Oh, am I gonna get a shiv? Shiv death? He killed him with liquor! Call the cops. (coughs) The guy he hit with a bottle is played by Jeremy Flynn. So, uh... All right, I, that was that was interesting, right? That's a fun setup. Great setup. Specific duo, very. You almost think they were trying to place that in the fifties, but no, no, that was just uh, current day Boston. Current day Boston, <clears throat> it, it, but it's old timey. You know, it's a it's a it's a little Irish bar. Although I don't understand why it was closing. Oh, I guess I guess it must well, have been the very late. But. Yeah, and the storm. You know, they were like, you know, let's close up shop. Yeah, uh, but yeah. hey, looks like we're gonna have to defend this old dude who clearly killed the guy. So let's see. Yeah. What's his name? Walter Josephson. His name is Assault old guy. with a deadly weapon. And attempted murder. Assuming the victim doesn't die. Come on. Exactly. Jimmy Berluti. Oh, he's not dead. Yeah. Alex Hardig. Hi. Jamie Stringer. What can you tell me about your client? This is. Tess I can tell Lina. you I've never even met him. As the alien. other than that, why should I tell you anything? Well, let's start with what I know. Retired dock worker. No criminal record, not a blemish. As for the guy he beat up, Charlie Hayden. The Charlie Hayden? Hayden. He's what you call a bad guy. Loan sharking, extortion, armed robbery. He's from the Tommy Moynihan gang. Since you're volunteering information, why would my retired choir boy assault somebody from the Irish mob? That's what I was hoping you could tell me. He's a mobster. 
eating lobster. May I help you? Yes, I'm looking for Master's Alan. Key lobster. Right. Balance. This is where you work? It is. I know it's small and depressing, but at least it's dark and damp. Don't tell anyone. Is there some place we could speak in private? Of course. Borrow your office, Eleanor? Normally it'd be in my office, but there aren't enough to go around, so we're taking turns. Let's set up. What's up? Guy talking to Ultron. You don't even try anymore, Mike. You know, when you get it, you know, sometimes when you nail it, Keith, I just let you nail it. <clears throat> I, did, I did not nail it. All right, so uh, I was watching Age of Ultron last night, and listening <clears throat> to Alan Shore as the bad guy was very confusing. Uh, all right, so the, the guy who just came in to talk to Alan is played by Michael Nuri as Dwight Haber. You would know him from Flashdance, The Terminal, The Proposal, The Hidden, Damages, and on Enterprise, he played a rev in The Forge, Star Trek. My wife and I have recently split. Oh, I'm sorry. This is your second wife, Eve? Yes. One who married you for your money. Clearly, that has turned out to be the case. Hey, at least we still got friends old friends coming to see us at the office, Please. How can I help? He's tall. In the same wave of stupidity that caused me to marry her, I neglected to get a prenup. Oh, Dwight. I certainly realize that equitable distribution is the law, Alan. This woman cheated on me. She probably never loved me. And under the heading of morality and basic fairness, you want to screw her over. I am not by nature a vindictive man. You know this. But Alan, I earned all of it. All right, so before we go any further with this, I did a little Google, and Massachusetts is a no-fault state. So, Keith, by the law, letter of the law, doesn't matter what she did, it has to be equitable distribution based on a very finite math equation uh, mm -hmm. about who works the most, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. So I guess we're going to have to try to dig up something. I put her through law school. <clears throat> I feel like Alan's the guy for that. And my conscience just mandates you screw her over. Which is why I come to you. Yeah, he's 6'3". I need you to turn inward to your core here. You don't mean that. Yes, I do. As petty as it sounds, I want to get her. No holds barred. None. I can be despicable. Bombs away. The man she's sleeping with is Warren Holt. He's her boss. They both work in the attorney general's office. They meet twice a week at the Dobson Hotel, same room. Now, wait a minute. What, what did you just say? He's her boss. No, no, after that. They meet twice a week in the same hotel. Just right? before that. They both work in the AG's office. <sighs> you having second thoughts now? Oh, no. <laughs> no. It was just a fight, nothing more. Just a fight? Yes, I went into the bar to go to the men's room and uh, I got in a fight with him. Charlie Hayden. Is that his name? What was the fight about? Be honest with you, I don't know. It looks a lot like my neighbor in. Uh, I guess he got upset because I walked into his office or something. Keith, I just found a Mr. Cough Josephson, call me Walter. Nice. Walter, do you know Mr. Hayden? 
No. You walked into his office <laughs> and what? He just attacked you? Yeah. Walter, anything you say to us stays right here. Your best opportunity for a good defense. This man is on life support. He figures to die. You're in trouble, Walter. Look, I did it. I <clears> didn't mean to, but I'm willing to serve time. You're willing to do time? For possible murder, that's life. I'm an old man. I got no family except my sister in Plymouth. I don't want to go through a long trial. I'll cut a deal if they'll, they'll put me in some place tolerable. I don't want to die in some maximum hole like Cedars. You get him to put me someplace near my sister where she can visit, I'll plead guilty. You got a defense if the guy attacked you. If I killed the man, Mr. Brulity, they're not going to let me off without doing time. No. You get them to send me to a medium security near my sister. You get me that. And uh, I'll plead guilty. It's simple as that. Yeah, it's not. I can tell you it's not that simple. Because <clears throat> we got a whole episode ahead of us. But I do like how rational he is so far. Yeah, <clears throat> although his story lacks credibility. It does, but he's grounded. It's just 1423 has a very specific sentimental value for us. We honeymooned in that room. I understand, but that room is occupied. We have guests checking into it at... Can't you put them in another room? So Alan and Tara are trying well. to get into it the room the park. that this guy's Please. wife sleeps with I a guy. I wish I could in. help. I really do. It's okay, honey. We can get another room. It's not the same. I mean, how could the travel agent make such a monumental mistake? We're not even booked to the hotel at all. We came all the way from Detroit. I'm sorry. I'll tell you what. Is it Connie? Yes. How about, could we have the room for an hour? If you know what I mean, it's our anniversary, please. Well, can you promise to be out by 2 o'clock? I give you my word. I won't even take my little blue pill. Oh. I mean, okay, it's kind of funny. <clears throat> and what is Tara's I'm deal? entering the room as we speak. So she's, how long will it take you to set up? Strange character. Well, she's much going. more Alan in her than All the right. other characters do. I mean, <laughs> possibly <laughs> literally. The, uh, the whole previously on, was, which was like 90 seconds, was just that weird, awkward scene where they were like face-to-face -face talking about how they we're going to hook up, but weren't going to hook up because I don't make the first move, but I do make the first move, and we were grossed out, remember? <clears throat> right. That's the whole previously on this week. Yeah, I mean, this this character's willingness to, like, go there and, like, be this weird sort of scam artist, Alan-y person, she's... It's weird that, that they didn't know each other going in because she feels like the type of person that Alan would have hired, but not... Who, right, like she Eleanor would have hired. preceded him, and but we That's don't right. know her origin, right? She was just there when the season started. She just <clears> showed <throat> up, yeah. She was a paralegal uh, working, working. Private investigator and his camera crew were on their way. They'll be here in 20 minutes. And we know for a fact that they always use this room. So says Dwight, <laughs> and you heard Connie. 
This is illegal. <clears throat> you know, we could even go to jail. Oh, come on. People have no expectation of privacy here. This is America, home of the Patriot Act. This is America. Don't get you slipping so, up. So, Tara, here we are in a hotel room with 20 minutes to kill. Gee, Alan. That could almost be construed as a move. But not quite. Still waiting. So am I. I'm I'm not waiting, by the way. In fact, quite the No opposite. deal. My guy's willing to plead. Yes. <clears throat> to medium security. Things have changed a little since this morning, Jimmy. Like what? Like we've now got motive and premeditation. Seven years ago, your client's only daughter was murdered. She wasn't the target, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Her house was next to the one that was torched. Guess who we picked up for the crime? Charlie Hayden. We couldn't make him and eventually he walked, but we remain convinced that he did it, which your client knows. So when he walked into that bar, he was planning to kill the man who murdered his daughter. That's premeditated. And it's murder one. Premeditated with a tequila bottle? The fire that killed his daughter was started with a Molotov cocktail made from a tequila bottle. <coughs> so a that's why justice. he hit him with liquor. And very uh, literal, huh? Uh, quite. <clears throat> oh, okay. They must be really in love, don't you think? So now what? Well, so... show these to Dwight. We're showing schedule a meeting with the Eve illicit photographs the they took of and the guy's wife cheating on him with like very graphic photographs that uh, I just wonder from a tech from a tech standpoint, how do you get exactly that footage from a hidden camera? Because uh, it was like, I, I don't think the CIA could have done that at this point. But uh, also... Yeah, so they 100% just broke the law. Like, hardcore broke the law. Have you met my friend Alan Shore? I, no, With no. reckless abandon. <clears throat> this seems slightly despicable. He hired me to be despicable, I promise. Oh. Mm. Well, that makes it all right then. Silly me. You know... You were a part of this whole thing. Why are you boy, objecting I'd always pretend to be the done. leading man on screen. I still like to do that sometimes. Gross. Hmm. How about you, Tara? You ever like to pretend to be the leading lady on the screen? You know you'd be quite something if talk ever amounted to action. You surprise me, Tara. Even a first-year law student knows that talk can be deemed assertive conduct and actionable. Do you still fantasize about me at night, Alan? Yeah, my guess is yes. Giving you far too much credit, perhaps. You think? I'm willing to be proved wrong. Keith, is this going to be the whole episode? Eleanor. Thank you, Eleanor. I didn't hear you come in. What a shock. <clears throat> Emmy winning Cameron Mannheim. That is her scene in this, this episode. This is why you should have been open with us. Now, they got a motive. And premeditation. I don't care. You can get me near my sister, just I'll still... became as black as night. Ooh. I just want to give up. I'm tired. 
There is some good news. Charlie Hayden pulled through. He did? Doctors think he's gonna recover now, so no murder charge, at least. That's great. So what do you think I should do? I Go to certainly and finish him off. don't want to rush into any deal. <clears throat> we got the PC hearing today. We'll have a better idea what their case is after. Are you telling me I can beat this? Let's just see what they put up. Okay. Yeah. You beat well, what this. Would be the... Get me my life back. The probable cause Please. hearing. What is there to Let's debate? Do it. Whatever happened, I need they to know see he them. did it. Not if you don't care to be present at the meeting. But if you do, it's important you remain stoic. As aggressive as I intend to be, Dwight, I'm acting as your agent. Any softness perceived in you, therefore... Let me see them. Hold on. It isn't necessary for you to be in the meeting. Yes, it is. Let me see the pictures. Dwight, look at me. They're graphic, and they'll be hurtful to view. I want to see the pictures, Alan. I'm not sure I'd want to see the pictures. Meh. Legally, these photographs have little or no relevance. You do understand this will be a tacit attempt at extortion. Our hope here is that a professional woman isn't going to want these pictures to get much circulation. Okay, look up now. Consider that you're currently in the wake of a very emotional trauma. In time, much of your pain will subside. There's a chance you and Eve could be friends down the road. Now, you may not want that. Interestingly, because every time he's broken the law hard in the past, he hasn't been this compassionate with the, the client. <clears throat> I, I mean, I get it. He's, he's so inconsistently compassionate. Because, like, He's just taken, I mean, what we would consider today sexual assault, right? Taking naked pictures of somebody without their knowledge or consent is assault. And we're like, oh, he's so nice to the husband. <laughs> like, what the well, hell? You know, let me, let me throw this out there. And I encourage any of our listeners who may be uh, even tangentially working in mental health, perhaps... We could postulate that because he is getting his sort of like weird, uh, I don't have the right terminology, but his like weird quirks uh, satisfied through this illicit action, as well as the sort of whatever's happening with Tara, he's able to clear up his, uh, his compassion side. You know what I'm saying? Maybe <clears throat> by, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh... Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More more to say. Okay. I don't. But if you do, Dwight, if you can make room for the slightest possibility that you might, then you need to think twice about employing this tactic. 
This woman caused me to fall in love with her when she had no real love for me. She hurt me. In fact, she destroyed me, and she did so with malice. He wouldn't really be extorting her as much as be extorting the AG, right? <clears throat> no, it's her. He's getting leverage in the divorce settlement. Do I give him help? Yeah, but there isn't much leverage. Is what I'm saying is that it's a no-fault state, so it doesn't matter what she did. It doesn't, no, but I, <clears throat> I. But I if think... they can, if they can pressure the AG, who's not obviously doesn't want these pictures shown. Well, yes, but I, I think in this case, I think even in a no-fault state, you can still, you are entitled to 50%, but you can negotiate amongst yourselves, among mutual agreement, another arrangement. And I think he's trying to get her to, nego to negotiate. Yeah, I guess she, just so that these aren't released. I, mean, I don't know what it would matter. Right, because, her, but... well, because she, but, but she's an AG as well. She's in the office as well. Oh, okay, and she doesn't okay, okay. want this, this out for her reputation. Gotcha. I, I guess I... I basically was sexist and just didn't didn't hear that part yeah fair enough hey guess what we all have uh I'm not perfect keith i'm sorry what how much you still love her maybe play the card doesn't he kind of give you alfred molina vibes mr josephson asked to use the bathroom then he went in the back there's an office there mr hayden uses he's friends with the owner I heard some noises, like uh, a crash and someone fighting, so some I went back Some overly loud doo-wop. What did you see? Well, Mr. Hayden was all bloody, like he'd been beat up, and Mr. Josephson was sitting down. He told me to call the cops. Was there anyone else in the bar besides Mr. Josephson who could have attacked Mr. Hayden? Probably, yeah. You told the police that, I'm quoting, Josephson was the only other person in the bar. Objection. Leading. I'll allow it. There's a fire door in the back. I think someone might have propped it open, gone in and out. You didn't tell this to the police before. Just came to me. You did tell the police that Walter Josephson went into the back room and just seconds later, you heard the fight. Yes, but it's possible Josephson saw someone else beating on Charlie and tried to help out. Someone else who? I got no idea. I'm just not sure that old man did it. Have you been so... asked to change your testimony? No. I'm just trying to do the right thing. Approach. The mob wants him to get off now. What's going on? Hayden must have ordered this guy to flip. Well, why would the victim torpedo the case against the man who beat him? Hayden's the main suspect in the murder of Walter Josephson's daughter seven years ago. It's possible he doesn't want it dredged up at trial. Or he could be wanting to exact his own justice. Can Hayden identify his assailant? He says he doesn't remember. Your Honor. We still have physical evidence. What physical evidence? No prints on the bottle of tequila. Josephson was wearing gloves. Come on. He was covered in Hayden's blood. A jury could say he got it trying to save Hayden's life. You got nothing. I'm sorry to... You get this sorted out, great. Bring the case again. But I can't let you go forward with no evidence and no witnesses. Everybody step back. Due to the current insufficiency of evidence, the case is dismissed without prejudice. So, where's this going? Fan! I'm actually pretty interested. It's dismissed for now. 
they get more evidence, they can refile. Oh, thank you. Thank you. We didn't really do Walter, anything. It's possible Hayden wants you back on the street so he can take you out. I can ask for protective custody. Not that I'll get it, but... I can handle myself, Mr. Brulody. These people are bad guys. I did a tour of duty in Korea. I can handle Charlie Hayden. Thank you. Thank you both very much. Um, this guy's performance is excellent. It's, it's very grounded, and yet there's so much subtext. Yeah, well, is it terrific? Is it just me? Or is our client a dead man? A very, exper a very experienced actor as Give well. Jamie a line. Give Jamie a line. She gets a reaction as she fades to black. She gets a reaction as it fades to black. <laughs> okay, we're in the hospital now. Oh, and here's our... What? He's dressed as an orderly. Our we old guy. We get lots of costumed guys. Apparently he's Jason Bourne now. No, he's the delivery guy. Oh, he's, gonna, he's out there to finish the job. Hey. Will it be orange juice or gasoline with your eggs? So Keith, is he really out for revenge? <clears throat> or is the, did somebody put a hit out for this guy? And, oh wait. Maybe he's not pulling the puppet strings. Maybe he's trying to preemptively strike. Oh, I don't know. It's great. It's exciting. Maybe a twisty twist that, like, it works for me. Hey. I don't know. Well, you, you should back that up because it's, a, it's a, an amazing line. Yeah. Yeah. It's a pretty good line. <clears throat> what is hey. this scene? Well, be orange juice or gasoline with your eggs. Hey. Okay, Keith, we have to award the award. Most ridiculous fire sequence, this episode or the outhouse episode? Oh. I mean, <laughs> would you like orange juice or gasoline with your eggs? The <coughs> I have to... <laughs> excuse me. I have to give it to the old man who has never thus far been a criminal being the quippiest murderer Yeah, I feel there. like that that episode at least was like somewhat campy-esque. This is not supposed to be camp. Would you like orange juice or gasoline with your eggs? Also, pay no attention to the clear mannequin that is now on fire behind me. Better check his temperature. He's burning up. Oh, another zing! Zing, zing, double zing! What? Okay, we're Who on is our way this down. guy? I don't know, but this is my favorite ep of the season so far. <laughs> Walter terrible. Josephson just set Charlie Hayden on fire. This time Thanks, he's Jamie. dead. Oh my god. He's in custody, let's go. I can take care of him. He's burning up. Hello, Eve. I'm Alan Shore, we've never met. Oh, we know these That's people. Lovely name. Yes, Eve. Eve is played by Maria Maestas McCann. Please. Don't and address her attorney my is played by James Eckhouse. Oh, you look so bored. Have we seen him before? That. Let's go in, shall we? No. Not that I'm aware of, no. Throw me some IMDb's for him, then, because right. he looks very familiar. You know him from Junior, Big, The Avengers, and 90210? Big, I guess? Who would he play in Big? Uh, I don't know. One of the guys in the... He's the other toy executive who's upset with Baskin. 
he might be. Hold on. Mm. We're going to we're going to get into this. If we're going to do this, let's do this. James Eckhouse as attorney Anthony Selig. He was a supervisor in Big. Mm-hmm. He was also uh in Junior. And uh, he was Senator Boyden in the Avengers. Uh, I don't know. You clearly know him from something. I do. I'd know that hairline anywhere. What's he up to now? I have no idea. Okay, let's get started. This is my assistant, Tara. And Tara, this is... Well, actually, I have name tags here for all of us to wear. Alan Shore, that would be mine. A Selig, obviously you. Ah, lying, cheating, adulterer. That would be yours, Eve. Look, Mr. Shore, we're more than familiar with your reputation. If you have a proposal, make it. But let's fast forward through the brinkmanship. Brinkmanship? Is that a legal term? Counsel, (coughs) we're giving you about 10 minutes. Tara? The proposal is a marital settlement for $500,000. The settlement... Let's go. Wait a second. Don't be rude. The marital estate is worth over $17 million. You're assuming a valid union, Mr. Selig. Tara? Though rarely invoked, the Commonwealth does recognize adultery as a means for annulling a marriage. Is this your big plan? So many times. Could she finish, please? Though public policy does frown on vitiating marriage... This is a virtual no-fault state. Justice Scalia's dissent in Roma opens the door for overturning... This is what you called us up here for to present us with. This is ridiculous. We have worked hard on this. I refer you to the highlighted section, which specifically points out adultery and bigamy. Tara, maybe we should just present the facts. The law can be so tedious. Ah, here's a photo showing how your client's yoga lessons paid off. Here's one for you, Eve. Look how close your foot is to your ear there. Wow, I wish I could do that. And they're showing the naked photograph. I'm sorry. That's double-jointed, don't you think? Must be. Now it's on the laptop. Now it's on the TV. Huh. Now it's on the TV. A woman of your talents shouldn't be limited to the small screen. Wouldn't you agree, Eve? It's also... they're. Now it's projected on the wall. Now it's projected on the other wall, I grant you. But the main point to leave here with is... It's not beneath me. For an assistant attorney general with even the slightest political ambition, wouldn't it be awful to see these images pop up on the internet? How you got these images is going to land you in jail. Good point. But if you're really familiar with me, you know I'm not afraid to go there. I might even enjoy the change of pace. You hurt a friend of mine, Eve. To err is human, I'll admit. But getting even, that's divine. I have problems with this. You think? Mr. Young, could you come in here, please? Yeah, I mean, like, is Eugene not a part of this? My question is, do these tactics reflect on your entire firm, or merely Alan Shore? Tara helped. Well, Eugene had a great episode last week, Eve, but it's time they, to go back to uh, Disappointed Dad. Every single Dad. one of them should be immediately I just went fired, if not scare. criminally charged. Do you think I'm that stupid? Walter, you were all set to go to prison. 
Then once you heard Charlie Hayden was going to recover, suddenly you want your day in court. Why? So you could go kill him. I guess you feel real guilty about helping me get out. I feel used, yes. But you know what I mainly think? You'll spend the rest of your life in jail. Is it worth it? I have no life, mister. That man took my life when he killed my daughter. She was the only thing. What about your sister? Your sister is no daughter. Laura, I'm sorry I got you involved. It wasn't my intent. If I'd killed him the first time. What do you how want did, us to do? How did he get into the hospital? I really don't care. I'll go to prison. Costume. Just and keep just, me like, out of Cedars. Tray and because you'd be order? killed there? I don't think the correct order was the uh, The fire that killed your part. daughter, the intended I asked target, for was You're an informer against Tommy Moynihan. Hayden worked for Moynihan. Wait, so? so? Last year, Moynihan was sentenced <clears throat> 8 to 10 at Cedars for something else. You're afraid if you go to Cedars, you'll Darn. be killed. I just want Plymouth so I can be close to my sister. Right. Look. I don't want a trial. Make whatever deal you can. Let's just end this. Don't make me light somebody else on fire. I, I left my book of quips after murdering somebody back in the hotel. I'm confused about whose turn it is to talk. It's my turn. Huh. This firm has pulled a lot of stunts over the years. <clears throat> All of them have been within the bounds of the law, even if barely. Uh, baby steps? You bugged a hotel room to get illicit private pictures. You then used those pictures to commit extortion. You have stepped way outside the law. My bad. Isn't it also like a better idea to do the extortion at like a bar or something? Like in the conference room seemed a little, uh, what's the word, brazen. Reckless. Stupid. Like insane, criminal. I need to hear why you would commit such acts. No, you don't. Just fire Eve him. Haber is a beautiful woman who used her sexuality to dupe my client out of seven, eight, maybe nine million dollars. She caused him immeasurable pain and also broke his heart. She turned a kind, you... loving man into something vengeful. You can't monologue your way the out of this The only way or can to you? kill a vindictive beast, believe it or not, is to feed it. Dwight will gain satisfaction here, albeit of the most hollow variety. And he will heal. He will go on. But we need to go on. And that's not going to happen if you continue to do these kinds of things. I promise, Eleanor. Only two or three more and then I'll stop. Alan. Yeah, shame on them. 
this isn't funny. This is like the 40th time he's done, and they're like, don't no, do it one more it. time. And it's like, I'm gonna do it again. They're like, ah. <clears throat> Eugene, I gave you my word that I'd sooner take myself down than this firm. I meant that. You're doing it at your house. Well, you're taking yourself down. Don't you get that? And you're taking us down with you. <sighs> He's no. such a good actor. There's better ways to use this character. You know what I mean? There's just better writing you can do. Well, he's taking down the credibility of the other characters with him. Because it's the same thing as like taking down the firm with him. Well, he's taking down the credi credibility of Eugene and Eleanor and the seven years of integrity we've built for these characters. Well, integrity in a soft quote. Well, but like they had in like in intellectual integrity. Why like, such Eugene a short was not stupid. Why? Eugene because was not the client naive. wants it done, Alex. Look, this is a gift. The man commits a first degree murder, goes to a medium security facility. Who's getting the gift here? We have a possible insanity defense, not to mention a potential self-defense. Don't insult me, Jamie. This isn't open and shut for you. He is very sympathetic. Yes, as vigilantes go, he's adorable, but- We're offering you a plea that takes him off the street for life. And suppose I find out later that he's really a professional hitman who- Oh, come on. If the facts change, you can undo the plea on grounds of fraud and send them to trial. Why are we wasting time here? The guy is willing to go to prison. He'd just like to be near his sister. If he goes to Cedars, Tommy Moynihan will probably kill him. And you'd be willing to enter a plea today? Yes. There's no You'll be transferred within the hour. Thank you. Thank you both. Can I ask you something? Uh-oh, Jamie. Bottom Did of the ninth, Jamie. you feel better? When you killed him? Did it bring you relief? I don't think I'm capable of feeling anything, Miss Stringer. I suppose that's what allowed me to survive. I wish you well. Thank you. Again. Thank you both. I can't say I'm terribly proud of our tactics, but I'm glad to have mitigated at least the financial damage. As soon as the documents are drafted, we'll have you back in for execution. Okay. I don't know how you do the things you do, Alan. It's not with mirrors, I assure you. That I believe. I'll see you both soon. Yep. Here we sit in triumph. Should we get drunk? When did she completely Winston change Churchill characters? said that he would drink in victory because he deserved it. It's because she's into him? And in defeat. I guess so. Because he needed it. We never really knew her to begin Somehow with. Somehow I so. feel that we qualify here on both counts.
You're a very interesting woman, aren't you? I find victory to be extremely lonely without. What's the word? Sex. Stop looking at me with like that. Matthew. Be considered assertive conduct. Well, there's nobody else here. Just you, me, this, this big conference table. Would you like to have sex on the table, Alan? It shocks me that they don't put any hair gel in his hair. It's just dry and flat. That would definitely be considered a first move. Throwing up in my mouth a little bit. A little bit. There's some finger tent sucking, sucking. happening. <clears throat> you know what they say. As far mm. as aphrodisiacs go, chocolate, extortion. Mm. This, this will they won't they is. Uh... You see will the they won't? Is... Will they won't they? Do they have to? Do we have to watch it? If you'd like to go to a nice restaurant, share a lovely bottle of wine, caress a little in a taxi cab on the way back to my place or yours. I might enjoy having sex with you tonight. But you don't want that. You want to do it on a conference table because it's debased. It's commensurate with your self-esteem, which always seems to nosedive when you behave as you did in this case. You're not going to find some twisted sense of self-loathing affirmation on that table with me. Tell you what, though. Get some help. And then ask me out to dinner sometime. That whole speech would have been much more meaningful if she hadn't gleefully, happily just done the extortion with him. I was, you just said the exact sentence I was about to say. <laughs> like, Fake crying to get into the hotel. Maybe she thought him highly aroused at the conference table afterwards was the best place to uh, lay down the yes, smack. Yes, ma'am. That's oh, right. Good Lord. Well, it won't be necessary now since... That's right. You can go visit him now. My pleasure. Oh, Thank we, you again we're getting for returning a post a beer scene. Walter's sister. I finally made contact. <sighs> Here's something weird. She lives in Brighton. Why would Walter say she lives in Plymouth? Oh. I don't know. Maybe he just wanted to go to Plymouth. But on, why? Jimmy. There are medium security prisons which are softer than Plymouth with better facilities. Personally, I'd go to Norfolk. Maybe he wants to die? Give me your phone. There's somebody there he wants to kill? <clears throat> Maybe he is a hitman. Plymouth, Massachusetts, okay. Department of Corrections. 
Thomas Moynihan. Yes. He's taking out everybody, Keith. Transferred three weeks ago. Okay, look, this man is in danger. A prisoner by the name of Walter Josephson was transferred there today. Josephson. This is the guy who killed his daughter? Tommy Moynihan. Guy at the top of the mob. Right. Yes. Port of the head, yeah. You need to find one or the other or both. Now. Daylight and a dollar short. Oh, please at least have one more good quip. Come on, Keith. <clears throat> All right, guy's dead. He was too into his reading. Turn the page on that guy. His it was on his orders over that Hayden lit that match. You knew now he you was the here bookmark. all the time. They can send me to Cedars now, Jimmy. I've made my peace. Scylla busted your head open. seeing some potential prostitutes. Let me guess. No, hey, talent short, picking up a prostitute. Yeah. Hey, sexy. Looking to party? <laughs> what's your name? Annie, what's yours? Eugene. Get in the car, Annie. It looks cold out there. Annie is played by Jessa, Jessa French. So do your parents know you're out this late, Annie? Mm. Eugene, you're funny. I love funny, sexy men. <laughs> your place or mine? My place? Your place? I thought maybe we should just drive around and see what happens. Drive around? All right, look. The ones who want that usually just want to talk. I don't talk, and I'm not into wasting time. Then perhaps you should get out of but the car. But they're paying for it. Why wouldn't you? Because although I have no interest in talking to you, I've always taken great pleasure in wasting time. seems put off by the fact he was turned down. But then again, who the hell knows what Alan's thinking? Who the hell knows what Alan is thinking, but I know what I'm thinking. It is time to do our after show show beginning <clears throat> with Mike's description of what happened in this episode, which goes a little something like this. Jimmy and Jamie defend a prestigious man, 
retired bellhop Walter Josephson, who was accused of using his own sperm sample to impregnate the local Irish mob. And Alan Shore agrees to help his librarian, Dwight Haber, who discovers his soup kitchen supervisor wife is filleting on him. Okay. That wasn't as is. far off as it could have been. No, no. Well, I mean, you know, it's uh, you've seen the show a fair amount. Can I do better in a segment like this? An old guy gets caught. Uh, he ends up killing air body. <laughs> he ends up killing uh, them all. He ends okay. up killing them all. Alan is still gross. Okay, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Look, that's what that deserved. Yeah. All right. Now it is time to hand out some fake awards in a segment we call. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present. Oopsie. The Oopsie. Celebrating excellence in acting good. Skibidibidibop. Well, Jackie, they are a fake awards show that begin every single week with the immortal sounds of yes indeed take that covid uh yeah so uh who's our mbl here mike we shall not give it to alan shore we shall what bye uh -uh. <laughs> we shall not give it to tara tara's tarenberg <clears throat> we will not give it to eugene for being upset Mm -hmm. We will go ahead and give it to Jimmy Berluti, who headed the case, got his client a good deal, and enabled him to not only serve the prison time he deserves, but also kill off all the bad guys who deserve mm. to be dead. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, a little vigilante <laughs> justice, uh, because uh, they weren't able to catch on to a very clear assassination plot. I mean, this guy basically had a kill list, mm -hmm. and uh, he just they just he went basically took out the Irish mob like single handedly. Yeah. So with uh, a limp. I, yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, I don't have anybody better because there was no lawyering happening there. Like no lawyering happened in that uh, whatsoever. So uh, I guess. Way to go, Jimmy, for facilitating a string of murders. Jimmy Berluti. Yay! All right. Coming up next. 
already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. Watch first entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Keith, I'm looking at the breakdown here. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, it says we're looking for an old... Older, mature actor mm-hmm. who, who looks can, like Keith's neighbor. Who could, looks like Keith's neighbor who can give a grumpy, grounded mm-hmm. performance in an episode that is not grounded in any reality whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. Who who can uh, try to be a real actor and yet uh, somehow say, uh, you know, did you want uh, gasoline with your eggs with a straight face? And uh, you should check his temperature. I think he's burning up. Pretty good, pretty good, I have to say. That was, uh, yeah, so uh, congratulations, Ralph White. Uh, he has two Emmy nominations, and also that happened. So uh, congratulations. Uh, I mean, honestly, he was in immensely likable as he went yeah. through that all of that nonsense. So I got to give it to him. He wasn't lying. He was doing what he was doing. He wasn't trying to hide anything. He tried to keep their, yeah. them out of the fray. He just had to do what he had to do. No, he was just he was, a, he was a very reasonable guy on a murdering spree. All right. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case. <clears throat> but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. This is tough, Keith. Because it's clearly Spader's episode. But Right. Can we just keep congratulating him for doing like the same sh- the <clears throat> I mean like he's for spadering. Do- he's yeah, like he's it's a heavy lift though because they they keep writing him into these corners where it's the same thing, <clears throat> the same depravity and he's I guess mining it for whatever psych- psychological damage or issues he's dealing with. He's trying to put that on the page, even though it's not. Even though they tried to write it into Tara's postscript here. I mean, but here's the thing. Steve Harris, we can't really congratulate him for the couple of, like, upset dad Eugene scenes. Jimmy, I don't, or Michael Badalucco, I don't think had enough of a heavy lift to really award him. I think yeah. we have to spader it, even though it feels a little spadered out. Can you save it? Uh, I can I can. Oh, you know, and honestly, like, I don't blame him for the writing. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, he's he's giving a tremendous performance of this nonsense. Uh, I, I'm i going to give it to Cameron. Cameron had about 15 seconds on screen. She got a laugh, and she got a tear, and uh, it, it might have been a tear for what this show used to be and her role in it, but uh, I, I'm, gonna, I'm giving mine to Cameron. All right. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with you, just so that we don't do a splitty. <clears throat> All right, now take that, Splitty. All right, uh, let's uh, split our way to the Fox announcer booth in a mysterious amount of years in. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. I'll take the implicit violence out of it, but I'm still going to say Tom Brady spontaneously combusting. Ah. Okay. I'm not going to say Brady's... he got lit on fire. I'm just no. going to say he's, he just spontaneously combusting. Spontaneously combusting. 
Tom Brady wins the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. All right, folks, let's hand out some tires. What do you say, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Keith, it's come to this. It's just a, we're just in like a, a graphic novel now. We're just like in a pulpy, like supermarket, romance, courtroom drama mashup kind of thing. But like instead of romance, it's weird sex stuff. And instead of drama, it's kind of like campy stuff. Campy. But here's the thing. I I, I, I kind of like the one thing. The ridiculous <laughs> costume guy case. I, I can't help but having enjoyed it. I mean, are you enjoy- it wasn't good. No. Was it a writing good? No. Was the twisty twist good? No. Is it ridiculous they didn't figure out his subplot? And in fact... Like foreshadowed it so hard and even had Jamie give you the the squinty eye kind of like, I mean, none of that was well deftly handled. But it was it was good, tasty popcorn TV, which it, it, it at least was entertaining. Uh, the the Allen stuff, look, may, let's let's be fair. Maybe we just maybe it's just not for us. Maybe. Other people enjoyed it. I mean, uh, people absolutely did. I mean, people were not were nuts for this. I mean, sex sells. It's clear that that Tara and and uh, Alan have some good chemistry. I find it gross, but I could see where that would be compelling to some folks. So, you know, cool. Um, <laughs> uh, but. You know, as far as the the episode, the writing as a whole goes, it does feel a little bit like it thinks it's more clever than it is, and that is an issue. Um, I didn't find it particularly clever. We were kind of it started off really great, yeah, and it just kind of didn't really nail the mid or ending. Uh, helped along by great performances as always. Uh, Really selling some turdy lines too. Uh, yeah, I was more entertained than I think I was last week, but that doesn't mean it's a better episode. And last week, where did we come down on the the cop? The cop? Uh, last week we came down on an average of eight point five six. Yeah, so nowhere near that. But I'm gonna say it still was really entertaining. I'm I'm guessing you're gonna probably fault it a little bit more, and it deserves it. I would love your critical. But I'm going, <laughs> I've kind of dropped my expectations for this season, and I'm just kind of looking for entertainment at this point. I would love for us to get to the bottom of whatever the hell's going on with Alan Shore. They must retcon him in some way because he has a whole other, he carries a whole other show. He sure does. So, uh, you know what this felt like? It felt like a campy noir film. So it was like, it felt a little bit like a, the Dick Tracy movie. <laughs> Ironically, that's uh-huh. where my brain keeps going. Yeah. Uh, 6.12 spare tires. Oh, yeah, that's much lower than I thought you were going to go. Uh, That's your lowest rating of the season. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, oh, I mean, uh, I, sorry. Other than equal justice, which you gave a 2.25. So, okay, fair enough. Yeah, that's where I'm going to uh, sit. Yeah, I mean... It started great. The teaser, I thought, was great. Yeah. I, was I thought pumped. it was very interesting. I was like, ooh, I'm excited. I want to know what happens here. And that story got less and less interesting as it went along. 
Um, I like the idea of it. Like the guy taking revenge for his daughter. Um, never answered, why now? Didn't this happen like years ago? Like, like if... If you added a wrinkle that he had like terminal cancer or something, and so he didn't care at that point, and that's why he started, that's why he did it, that would make more sense. Well, he also um, had to find the opportunity to kill them both in the exact manner that the the killings went down or whatever. So. But he could have done it. I, I don't know. It's so like I, I like the I, I like the pitch, right? You're gonna pitch the story like, okay, yeah, I'm in, but then you. You make it bad. I mean, they, the the quips and his and the whole execution of it is like a bad, like nineteen ninety four action flick, like PG thirteen action flick. Do you find it, was, it better or worse than Delivery Guy Killer? I mean, that was pretty ridiculous too. I find it worse, and here's why: because the Delivery Guy Killer was undercut by the silly costumes but the performance he kind of played straight and they played it as a real thing that mattered right this played it like a like a michael bay movie and they had him normally baiting next to a dead body well right but like i don't know this at least we like are supposed to feel something about the dead body okay this was so cold and heartless and emotionally void right we didn't care about any of it he didn't care nobody cared it was just an opportunity to set up the set piece of like oh we figured out how to light a guy on fire that's awesome well, it's gonna be a great shot and i've got this amazing like bad 90s movie quip to put in it it just it undercuts the whole thing emotionally um so it's just silly so it wasn't real. It didn't take place in the real world. It took place in a bad 90s flick. Um, and, you know, <laughs> the the Alan Short thing, oh, God, I, it's, it's like supposed to be satisfying in some fashion. And yet, especially looking back on it now, like the just awfulness of of surreptitiously taking nude photos of this woman, then then extorting her and shame it's like and we're supposed to be like sort of like ooh, that's sort of satisfying yeah that was kind of cool like you know she was cheating on him so she deserved to be assaulted in that manner it is like really ugly now um i'm sorry to interrupt but i'm going to do it anyway uh the point that makes it worse keith actually is that at least we've set up we've established that alan does this kind of shit and we don't really agree with it. We haven't quite gotten his MO set set. I haven't I'm not satisfied with his like specific MO yet. But what where they screwed themselves is they undercut their whole whatever whatever pathology they're going for with him. I feel they undercut it by just having Tara be 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 in lock stock and barrel with no questioning. She's just along for the ruse, she's along for the extortion, she's along for the fallout. Nobody really gets pissed at her, and nobody really calls her on her shit, and she somehow backdoor makes it okay by trying to therapize him. It, it doesn't make any sense, and it sort of undercuts whatever they're doing with Spader. Well, and and if they're, you know, they're obviously trying to do some sort of a, like, he hates himself, and he doesn't know what to do with it story here. Um, and fine, great. Tell that story. 
But they haven't actually told that story at all. All they've done is show him be shitty and alluding to something, but not actually telling the story. Right? It's like yeah. it's it's like if I said like, oh, uh, you know, you've got mommy issues, and then I just bring up next week, you've got mommy issues, and you've got mommy issues, and you've got mommy issues, like episode after episode, and you never explore it, you never explain it, you never get into it. There's never any change. There's never any consequences. Um. You know, he should have been fired a gazillion years ago. And his lack of being fired is causing damage to the credibility of the rest of our characters. Right? I, I mentioned it during the show. Eugene and Eleanor are being damaged by not firing him a long time ago. Those characters are being are coming are now being written as stupid, naive, reckless, and it doesn't make any sense. So not uh, to mention, this isn't even. It's not even like he's winning all these murder trials. This is a a divorce settlement. No, you're it, it risking is, the entire firm collapsing because of a divorce settlement for your buddy. He's just sort of he's just farting around, causing chaos. And any sane owner of this firm it wouldn't have let him in the door to begin with. Yo, but Bobby would have kicked did, his ass out years ago. He would have been out in twenty five minutes. And here we are over and over. It's 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 damaging Bobby! the credibility of the show. Bobby! Bobby! We need you, Bobby. So, uh, I mean, it was vaguely entertaining, but I just, like, I didn't like it. It, it what was. Do you, what do you guys uh, do a podcast on? Ah, oh, this show we find vaguely entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it, it it's sometimes great. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm just getting tired of it. 5.89. Do better. Damn. Yeah, do, do better. better. Come on, do you better. Have 12 more episodes. Yeah, <clears throat> do better. That's what I have to say. All right, folks. Well, uh, you know who does do better? It's the people who support our show and all of our nonsense by being our patrons. And you can find that at patreon.com slash K and M. And uh, you can join the fine folks, including CloudLover69, CloudLover69, Jorge Navoa, Alan Zipperman, and Brian Kaufman. If you would like to just reach us, you can find us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com and on Facebook and Instagram at outofpracticepodcast. Yeah, do all the things Keith said. Uh, and we got goodies for you at the Out of Practice Podcast Patreon page, KNM. Patreon.com slash KNM. You can watch our faces talk about shows that we're vaguely interested in and shows we're sort of loving, like Deep Space Nine, Star Trek The Next Generation, Playing With Keith's Toys, all kinds of fun stuff. And Ask Me Anything, where we ask each other stuff. All available, a couple of things for free, in fact, at Patreon.com slash KNM. Check it out. Or tell a friend that Keith and Mike are saying funny things on the internet that could potentially get them canceled. Uh... What else do I want to say? I don't know, Keith. I thought I had less time than I did. <laughs> Go ahead. Shoot us some money. Shoot us some laser sounds. And guess what? From the bottom of my heart, if your dad is still around, give him a call today. Let him know you're thinking about him. Here's to mine. And here's to next week. Laser sounds. Laser sounds. <laughs>